to the uh, Recruiting Guy podcast. I'm Richard Davenport with the Arkansas Democrat Gazette and hohogsports.com. On Saturday, Arkansas closed out the regular season at Tennessee with, with a 24-7 record, overall record, and 13-5 and in SEC play. Since arriving in Fayetteville, and there, there, there's no doubt about this, Coach Musselman and his staff has brought back Razorback basketball to levels we haven't seen since the Nolan Richardson days. Musselman was raised in a basketball family. His dad was a, a professional uh, and college coach. And he and his dad are one of five father-son duos to ever coach in the NBA. And I believe they're the first. And our guests will uh, be, might be able to tell us uh, that uh, for sure. The one person who I'm referring to that knows Bill Musselman and Eric Musselman the most, or, or very well, is Pete Davis. He's a former Michigan State point guard who was a seventh-round draft pick of the 1975 NBA draft by the New York Knicks. He played for uh, Bill Musselman and the Cleveland Cavaliers when Eric Musselman was about 14, 15 years old at the time, originally from Brooklyn, New York. Pete currently lives in Los Angeles and runs the Pete Davis Youth Basketball League, and he joins us right now on the uh, podcast to talk about both Musselmans. And uh, First of all, Pete, thanks so much for joining us. Well, thank you, Richard, for having me and uh, really appreciate, um, you know, you having me on the show today to talk about Bill and to talk about Eric. And by the way, we got to take our hats off to the job that Eric has done at the University of Arkansas over the last couple of seasons here, 24-7 overall, 13-5 in the SEC in the tough SEC conference. Uh, he's got some great wins, and I look forward to how that team is going to compete in the NCAA tournament. No doubt, no doubt. It, it, it should be a fun run like last year. But uh, mm-hmm. let's, let's talk about uh, Bill. Uh, obviously, you played for him. You remember your first time ever meeting Bill Musselman and, and what your first impressions were? I remember the first time I saw Bill Musselman coach a basketball game. I was a freshman at Michigan State, and he had a he had you know he, he was the head coach at the University of Minnesota, and they had uh, the Golden Gophers were in contention to win the Big Ten championship that year. On that team, they had Dave Winfield, Hall of Fame baseball player, but what a dual sport athlete. They had Jim Brewer, who was a a rebounding machine. Uh, He led the Big Ten in rebounding, I think, all three years he was there. And Ron Behagen, who was a a young man out of Clinton High School uh, in the Bronx, New York, but uh, played a little bit with Tiny Archibald with the Kansas City Royals, Ron Behagen. He was a number one draft choice in the NBA, but uh, I remember them playing against a Michigan State team that had uh, a mixture of really good basketball players and some football players. And, you know, Bill was a former football coach, and the game just reminded me of uh, a, a game that was really rough and tough and rugged as as Big Ten play was back then. And, of course, the, you know, Minnesota beat Michigan, uh, Michigan State that night, and they went on to win the Big Ten championship, all, uh, championship although very controversial that year with, uh, I think, with the melee that they had at Ohio State. But they Lost, I believe, in the first round that year, the NC2A tournament, but still a very, very, very great team and a great coach team by uh, by Eric's dad, Bill. 
So, Richard, I, I, I want to kind of take you through my history with Bill, because that was the first time I had laid eyes on him as a freshman. I wound up, you know, at the time, uh, freshmen weren't allowed to play varsity basketball in the NC2As. And so I had to play freshman ball. The next year, they changed the rules. So the sophomore year, I come in and, and you know, we, you know, I'm a sophomore, wide-eyed sophomore playing Big Ten basketball. And here we are, we're playing against, you know, University of Michigan, University of Minnesota, Notre Dame, Michigan. You know, you're playing against Wisconsin, you're playing against all these great teams. But the one team that we always struggled with was Minnesota. Uh, so I just I just remember how tough they were. And then my senior year, we split with Minnesota. And that was the year that uh, he had future NBA players, Michael Thompson, Mark Landsberger and Mark Oberdink. I, I, I looked at Mark Landsberger, who was 6'10", Mark Oberdink, who was 6'10 and about 235, and Michael Thompson, who was a seven footer. And then you had Flip Saunders, who was a freshman, but didn't play like a freshman. And so I had to go against Flip Saunders. And uh, I mean, what a what a what a bruiser, a bruising team. And they they finished fourth, I think, that year in the Big Ten and then went on to the NC2As again. So, uh, you know, just just playing against a Bill Musselman team and knowing how physical and what kind of preparation that that you had to have as a player. And the mental toughness you had to play against a Bill Musselman coach team, uh, and, and from for, from a player standpoint, Richard, you really had to bring you had to bring it. You had to bring your game. Okay. So later on, um, as I you know got drafted and went into pro basketball and was you know bouncing around from the Knicks to the Nets, and then you, you know in between. Uh, you know, trying to hook on with a team at that time in the NBA, you know, um, I went to a camp in San Diego. There was a camp for a summer league and it was the Clippers. The Clippers had that they were playing in San Diego. And so I came out to the to the to the summer league and I came out to this camp and I played really well. But I unfortunately, I, I didn't make the team. But in the stands, scouting was a guy by the name of Bill Musselman. So, so, so I'm, I'm going through, I, I went through the entire training camp. I, I was the last cut. And after, after seeing Bill in the stands scouting at every practice and every, you know, uh, workout that we had after that, he came over to me after they let me go. And he says, you know, Pete, you played your ass off. He says, you know, I'm, I'm getting ready to take over a job in the Western league and you'll be hearing from me. So I said, okay, you know, I said, okay, thanks coach. You know, I remember you from university of Minnesota. I, I really appreciate it. Right. So I went on back home to New York. I think that was probably, eh, it was October, November, December ran by Richard. And then January 1st, I get a phone call from Bill Musselman. Now I'm, I'm working at that time. You know, I think I was in between jobs like IBM. I think I just, just left IBM. And so I'm in between jobs and he calls me and he says, what are you doing? I says, well, you know, I'm sitting here, I'm playing in the Eastern League at the time I was playing in the Eastern League because you had two leagues, Richard, at that time, minor leagues. You had the Eastern League, which was basically teams in Pennsylvania and New York State. And then you had the Western League that was that had just formed that year. Okay, and so Bill took over as the head coach of the Reno Bighorns. So he calls me. He calls me in January. Says Pete, what are you doing? I said, ah, I'm looking for a job and I'm playing in the Eastern League. He says, Listen, 
He said, you don't want to play in that league. You want to come play for me. <laughs> That's what he says to me. He said, you don't want to play in that league. You want to come play for me. He says, we're playing for the championship out here in the Western League. He says, I'll put you up. He says, I'll put you up in your own apartment. He says, I'll send you a contract. It'll be in the mail tomorrow. And he says, get on the next, and, and with a ticket. And he says, get on the next flight and come on out here. <laughs> so I said, you know, with that kind of salesmanship, I said, sure, coach, I'm coming. So I, I got on a flight, told my mom I was moving to Reno, Nevada to play for Bill Musselman. So, uh, you know, we, we had one hell of a team. I could tell you, Richard, it was what a great experience. Uh, he brought me out there and we had a couple of guys who were up and down in the NBA. Gus Bailey comes to mind. He was with the New Orleans Jazz. He was about a six, six point guard. But, you know, he was he was he was always ailing. He always had knee injuries. We had a great team and we went to the championships. We wound up playing in the championships, championship series against uh, the Tucson Gunners, which which was coached by Herb Brown. Uh, and, of course, for the, the basketball aficionados uh, uh, listening to your podcast, Herb Brown's uh, brother is a very famous coach right now, famous college coach. So in any event, we went through that, went, went seven games in that series, and I can tell you it really was a fantastic ride uh, playing for Bill in the uh, in the Western League. We lost in four games, again, to Herb Brown's team, the Tucson Gunners, but we played for a championship. Right after that, Richard, Bill, that summer, over that summer, Bill was flirting with a number of uh, NBA jobs, and he didn't take one right away. Uh, so we kind of both sat out. I, I then went into business. I, I, I finally found a job. Uh, working for ExxonMobil in New York City. And I believe Bill went back home to La Jolla in, in you know, San Diego, and he was kind of looking at other opportunities. So uh, that spring, that spring, I think it was around April or May, he gave me a call. He says, Pete, he says, uh, he says, uh, how's things at ExxonMobil? I said, oh, things are great. You know, Bill, it's, you know, selling gasoline and motor oil. They're doing pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> so he says, he says, look, he says, I'm getting ready to sign a contract here with the Cleveland Cavaliers. He says, I'm going to be their head coach. And he says, you know what? He says, you know, the first person I'm going to sign, the first free agent I'm going to sign. I said, well, who's that? He says, Pete Davis. That's <laughs> he says, you're going to be my first free agent. And I'm going to, I want you to come in here, Pete, and lead us. Cause I know the kind of, the kind of athlete and the kind of person you are. I know you're in hella shape. That's he always used to tell me about what kind of great condition I was in. I was, I, you know, I was a conditioning freak, Richard, at the time. And so even though I wasn't associated with a, with a team like an NBA team, I just used to, I love fitness. I love to work out and I was always in great shape. So he says to me, okay, Pete, you know, he says the same, the same thing. He says, Pete, he says, as soon as I sign my contract, you're going to have a, you're going to have a contract in the mail the next day. And, as a man to his word, the next day I had a contract with the Cleveland Cavaliers. And, and so it was really interesting because at that time I was working out with a great group of young players at St. John's University. Chris Mullen was a sophomore. Mark Jackson was on that team. You had Walter Berry on that team. And uh, Luke Conaseca, who is a, a legend in college basketball, was a mentor of mine. And so Lou would invite me to come and, and, and work out with the younger players. So these are guys now are Hall of Famers. But I used to work out with those guys. 
And uh, one day I came in the, I came to a, a workout and, you know, you know, on, in New York, you know, you had the daily news and the New York post and, and you had the sports wire at that time. And so when I got the contract, I signed it. I think I signed it in May and we were all working out and I come into the gym and, and Mark and, and Chris are looking at me like really strange and they're saying, you know, Pete says, how are you doing this? I said, what do you mean? How am I doing this? He says, we just read in the New York Post, you signed a contract with the Cleveland Cavaliers. <laughs> you know, I says, yeah, that's that's Coach Musselman. He says, man, that's amazing that you're continuing to, 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 to be an NBA player and to continue to, you know, you're doing two things. You know, you're, you're a businessman. You represent ExxonMobil during the day and in the afternoon you come over here and you're working out trying to play pro basketball. So it's uh, it was a great, great, great uh, run for me. I went out there and I played for Bill. In fact, I, I, I went out to the L.A. Summer League. We, we went to the L.A. Summer League and uh, I think through eight or nine games, uh, we played the Lakers for the championship that year. I believe we lost and and the uh, championship in the, in the NBA Summer League, which is what you see now, it was run really originally out here in Los Angeles at Cal State LA. But that that year that Bill signed, he brought everyone in, all the free agents and the draft picks that year. He brought them in, and we all played in the LA Summer League. I think on that team we had Bill Lampier, myself. Uh, I'm trying to remember um, some of the, the players that played there on that team with me, but it was a great group that he assembled. A lot of guys from the Western League and the CBA, and then, of course, his draft picks. And, you know, we uh, we went in the training camp. Towards the end of training camp, Richard, I got cut. But he always said to me, he says, Pete, he says, the day he cut me, I played 10 games. I played 10 games with the Cavaliers that, that you know, it was exhibition games. He said to me, Pete, he says, you're one of the hardest players I've ever had to cut. Uh, and even that in itself, we, you know, him and I, because of our relationship, we laughed it off. We hugged, you know, and I, I, I went about my way and we still continued to stay in touch and be friends. And so... You know, when I when I look at the relationship that I had with Bill and, of course, the, you know, Eric being a young man at the time. But when I look at Eric and, and Eric and I have had a, a nice relationship and a nice run also, you know, because of because of the relationship I had with his dad. And so I'm really happy. I'm really happy for Eric and I'm happy for his family. And I'm really happy for the University of Arkansas because whoever made the decision to hire him <laughs> made the right decision. I know. I know. We want to talk about the uh, the story, the championship run in the Western League when when you you and Coach Musselman was you you were playing for him uh, in the Reno uh, Bighorns. Yeah. Can you hit on that if you would, uh, Pete? Yeah. Well, you know, um, the biggest rival that we had and 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 Coach Mus had was Herb Brown. And because of his heritage and his tutelage and and his family background in basketball, and so. You know, we were always neck and neck in the league. You know, either we were, you know, tied with them or we were in first place. And so it was a battle the whole entire season. And um, I, I just remember, you know, going into that seven game series. And I think we went up. I think we went up. I think it was 2-2. Two, two, and then we went up 3-2. Three, and then it was 3-3. Three, three, and all through the time, I mean, the, in a seven game pro series, as you know, if you as you watch the NBA Pro Series. This is very much like an NBA setting. And so you have these 
many battles, you know, the coaches are battling and then you've got a battle at the small forward position and you've got a battle here at the scorer's position, the two. And then at the point guard position, it was me and Gerald Henderson. And I can tell you, you know, my whole focus and Bill's whole focus was, of course, to, 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 to chop the, the snake off at the head. And Gerald was the head. And so my role on the team at that time was, you know, really a point guard's role and really a defensive stopper. I mean, you know, Bill loved the way I was, you know, I used to get up in people and really get in their head. You know, almost I always I always tell my son that if I was playing today, Patrick Beverly and I would be at war every day. Every day we'd have a fight. OK, because that's the kind of defense I played. So Gerald and I went heads up and we went at it hard. And, you know, we lost in I think we lost in either overtime or double overtime at Tucson at a buzzer beater beat us. What a hell of a series that that was. And the competition between Herb Brown and Coach Musselman and myself and Gerald and the other players. Unbelievable, just unbelievable competition. So I'll never forget it. And uh, I take a lot back from that, Richard, uh, into my own, you know, daily life. You know, some of the things that I learned from Coach Musselman. When you were with the Cavaliers, uh, that was your first time to to be exposed to to Eric. He was 14, 15 years old. What do you remember about him? I remember Eric just, you know, being a really good kid, you know, with his dad all the time when he was, you know, when he was there. I remember him, you know, at practices coming to practices and, and, and interacting with the players. That's pretty much the bulk of it. You, you, you know, it was kind of a long time ago, but I do know that Eric loved his dad. He was very, you know, very supportive of him. And and Bill talked a lot about his family with me. You know, he shared a lot about his family, he talked a lot about Eric and his and his uh, sisters. And, you know, he, he just told me that he says, you know, my kid can do, I, you know, Bill was big on drills. And I remember him telling me that at age 14 or 15, Eric could execute every one of his ball handling drills or defensive drills. I mean, he he said, Pete, we got guys who are pros and we're paying millions of dollars and they don't even understand what these drills are. They can't even execute, uh, you, you know, the drills that we put down. And he says, my son, he said, my 14-year-old son can do this in his sleep. You know, I just remember some of those things he used to tell us about Eric and, and how proud he was uh, that he really was going to be a great basketball mind or a great person in the sport of basketball. I know you still carry a lot of uh, lessons learned from uh, Bill Musselman, uh Today, kind of talk about the impact that he had on you away from basketball and and basketball. Yeah, well, you know, I, um, as you well know, I I still am involved with youth basketball, with my youth basketball program. And, uh, you know, I every now and then I'm very fortunate to come across a talented uh, young player and have the opportunity to coach those players. There were a couple of players that were being recruited by Arkansas this year, Kajani Wright, who unfortunately signed with USC, and then uh, Ramel Lloyd, who's going to play for Nebraska in the Big Ten. Uh, but there are a number of players that I've had the opportunity, young players, even to, to even this season coming up, that are very, very talented. And a lot of the drills, a lot of the, the concepts that Bill taught while we were pros uh, and some of the things that I learned off the basketball court about, you know, just, just being a professional, you know, uh, being on time, 
uh, being before time. You know, I always tell my son and I tell my players that if my practice starts at three o'clock, if you're not on the floor by 2.30, 2.45, and I blow the whistle at three and you're just walking into the gym, you're late. You're late. I got that from Bill. The extra work, uh, putting in extra preparation and work. That's one thing that, you know, the fans at Arkansas, I'm pretty sure can already appreciate. I know it's, I know his players can appreciate it when I talk about Eric, his preparation. And, you know, I mean, that was handed down from Bill. I think Bill was the most prepared coach that I've ever played for. Now, I played for some pretty good coaches. I played in some pretty good leagues. Okay. But he was the best prepared to prepare his teams and his players to, to compete on a daily basis, not only in practice, but in games. As you well know, Richard, you know, basketball is a repetitive sport. And the, the, the more that you practice it, the better you get. A lot of times when you put those 10,000 hours in to try to be the best of the best, you, you know, you, you, you come out tired or you're flat or you're just, you're just not as sharp as you, you, you would always be. And that's the one thing that I took from Bill is that consistency and preparation equals success. And I've taken those lessons that I learned while I played for Bill and while he was here uh, with his friendship and also his tutelage. And I've just I've taken them and I've put them in my repertoire, put them in my game. And I've also tried to share those lessons, those life lessons with my family, my young kids, you know, my, my, my two kids who are you know, college players. My daughter's at University of Connecticut, dual sport athlete. My son's getting ready to graduate. He's being recruited. Uh, I've tried to give all of those lessons back that I learned from Bill and tried to give them back to the kids that I mentor and coach today. You know, when you're talking about Bill, it sounds like you're also talking about Eric. The similarities are striking. Yeah, they are. He, uh, if you, if you go back and I don't know, you know, you may have some diehard fans, uh, if you can go back and get some footage of Bill walking the sidelines and all you got to do is just pull up a current video of Eric coaching on the sidelines with his passion and enthusiasm, what you're, what you're seeing is a mirror. You're looking at a mirror of a guy who it was a great son following in his dad's footsteps. And not only that, but creating his own legacy also. You know, I think you and I, touched on it earlier, you know, there are some differences between Bill's coaching style and Eric, not much, but I think through Eric's journey, he's really adapted to the modern game. He's adapted to what it takes to coach young players today. That They're not the same, Richard. Players, I mean, the Sidney Moncrief teams uh, and the teams that Nolan Richardson coached, the players that he coached are different players today that Eric is coaching at University of Arkansas. They're just different, okay? You know, they're digital kids. They grew up in the digital age. These are, these are internet kids, okay? You know, social media is important to these kids. And, you know, their culture, their music, uh, their lifestyle is a whole lot different. And, and as a coach, coaching young people today, you have, to, you have to be aware and you have to be able to adapt to their likes, their dislikes. And, and coaching players today, you really, really have to understand what motivates them. What's their motivation? The other thing that I think that is really big, and Eric did, does so well, and I think his father did very well, he's an outstanding recruiter. 
and an outstanding evaluator of talent. I think I mentioned to you that I thought Eric could, could see a pro's potential in a pickup game, in the YMCA game. <laughs> you know, he could see a kid and say, hey, I, that, that kid's got talent. He could play for me, you know. And then in the same breath, I think, Richard, that Eric could see kids and say, you know what? The kid may be a great player, but he can't play for me. That's how Bill was. Everybody couldn't play for Bill Musselman. You know, it's almost like when you think of the great legends of, of, of the game of basketball, the John Woodens, the Bobby Knights, some of the legendary coaches, the John Chaney's. I mean, there, there's guys here, the John Thompson's. I could just go on and on and on. There's certain guys like, like Tom, Tom Izzo. Right now, they're players that are great players, ESPN 100 players, ESPN top, top 10 players. They couldn't play for an Eric Musselman. Just couldn't play for him. Kind of hit on that, you know, because they – Every coach has to has has to feel good about w- what he's bringing into his program. Mm-hmm. Talk about some of the players that might not fit into the system. I think for Eric, you've got to be a gritty player. I, I think you've got to be a lunch pail kind of hard hat guy. When I look at Bobby Portis play for the Milwaukee Bucks, I think of a kid that could play for for, for Eric to play for Bill. You know, just the just the kind of players who you know, maybe feel like um, they've been overlooked and got a chip on their shoulders. They got something to prove. Maybe, you know, there's a rivalry there in the state or or, or neighboring states or in the SEC. You know, one kid might have, you know, felt like they got snubbed by Kentucky and now they, you know, they, you know, they fit into an Arkansas better than a Kentucky. And now all of a sudden you lined up against them and now you got something to prove. I think Eric looks for, for those kind of players who have talent, you must have talent, but I think that he looks at the overall inner workings of a player. What makes this player tick? Is he a competitor? Will he back down? Does he have what it what it really takes to be a champion? And those are the kinds of players and the kinds of people that, that I know Eric likes around him. He likes to surround himself with champions. Simple as that. Look at his coaching staff. Look at the players that he's got coming in. Look at the players that he's had playing for him before. And the other thing that I like about Eric is that he's not, you know, he, he's, a, he's a turnaround artist. When you look at his career, look, look at what he did when he was at University of Nevada. And now he comes and he comes to Arkansas. And, and, and you know, he turns that program around. I can tell you, I think they're going to go far in the NC2As. He really understands the prototypical player for the positions and the roles that he has to fill to build a championship culture and a championship team. And not only that, I think Eric knows his competition better than he knows. Sometimes he knows his own personnel. He could break down a Kentucky or a Tennessee or anybody in that SEC. He can break down their film. He can break down their personnel. He can tell you the likes, the dislikes, what they favor. I mean, you're talking about a guy who is almost like an encyclopedia or a computer when it comes to basketball knowledge and preparation and how to win games. And not only that, to win championships. When Eric was the coach of the Golden State Warriors, uh, he would invite you to practices and some games. And what was that like seeing him on the sideline or in practice and you looking back uh, your playing days for his dad? That was awesome. It was just awesome. At the time, I was a regional manager for Skechers, Skechers Footwear. And, you know, I was in I was in Southern California and Eric got the job at Golden State. 
and it was great. I mean, Gary St. Jean was the general manager. And I think I kind of lost touch with Eric Way. You know, Wade, you know, because he's moving around, I'm moving around. Then all of a sudden, I see he gets the Golden State job. So I call him up. To Eric, how you doing? He said, Pete, how you doing? I'm doing great. You know, so I tell him I'm living in L.A. What you doing? I told him what I was doing. He says, man, he says, look, he says, if you're ever in Northern California, you've got to come to practice. And so I think I was up there calling on, I don't know, Nordstrom's or somebody. So I went over, told him I was in town. And he invited me over to practice. And I went to a number of practices and a number of games, and it was just great to see Eric on the sidelines, you know, in the NBA. I think after uh, – I think it was one one game I went to, they, they must have played the Lakers, and they beat him up there. And, and so I'm in the locker room after the game and waiting for Eric. And Gary St. Jean comes in, and, you know, he was very gracious. They were all very gracious because they knew I was friends with Eric. They knew I knew his dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gary St. Jean comes over and says, boy, he says, that was a great win. I says, you know uh, – I says, you know what, Gary? I said, not only was it a great win, but you made the right hire. You hired the right guy. And he looked at me with the biggest smile. He said, yes, I did. <laughs> so, you know, I think that that was really a great experience for Eric. And he had he had some great teams up there, he had some great personnel up there. So just one of the stops and the many stops that he's had in his career. When are you going to get, get out to Fayetteville? Now, I, I've been waiting for that invitation, by the way. You know, I'd love to come out to Fayetteville and do one of those games. Eric will listen to our podcast and he'll pick up and say, I heard your podcast, man. Come on now. You can you gotta come out to a game. <laughs> so I, I I or if you guys are placed in the western region somewhere close to Los Angeles, for sure I'll I'll definitely make it my way to come and watch a game for sure. Talk about, you know, the the passing of his dad when when that happened. What was your reaction and just the impact it had on you knowing that you, you lost uh, one of the most important people in your life? Well, you know, death is Death is a hard, hard thing to take sometimes, you know, especially, you know, grieving and different people grieve differently. Richard, you know, when uh, when Bill passed, it was really it was moving. It was moving not only for me, but I believe the basketball world lost an iconic an iconic figure. You know, remember, you're talking about a guy who coached. Flip Saunders and Michael Ray Richardson and Sidney Lowe and Tyrone Corbin, Tom Thibodeau, who's the head coach now of the New York Knicks, Scott Brooks, Sam Mitchell. I could keep going along with Eric. Okay, the tree, the the coaching tree and the family tree and the the people who uh, Bill had impacted, you know, like in my life was huge, huge. So, you know, it wasn't a happy time. I still, you know, when I when I look at Eric, I, I, I mean, you know, he, he, you know, his features and his mannerisms and everything, you know, when I look at Eric, I, I, I see his dad, you know. So he's gone, Richard, but not forgotten, N- never forgotten. And like I said, in my coaching philosophy and strategies, when I go out and I coach now these young players with all the talent and ability that they have, I still use a lot of the concepts and a lot of the offense and defensive concepts and strategies that I'd learned from Bill as a player. And they still work. They're still very successful today. And uh, so I'm just happy that, 
you know, in my journey in this life, I had the opportunity to be part of his journey and still be a part, somewhat of a part of what Eric is going on. You know, I, I live vicariously through the Internet and TV and everything else to follow, you know, college basketball. But, you know, we're always rooting and praying for Eric because he's a good guy. He's a good kid. And, you know, we just wish him and his family the best. And I, I know that uh, you think highly of his mom. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, again, I, I remember those conversations that I, when I used to call the house and, you know, being a kid from New York and being a kid from Brooklyn, you know, I always wanted to live in California, which, you know, because every time I came to Los Angeles, I was, you know, I was an NBA player. The two times that I came out here with Bill playing for the Cavaliers, it was just, just wonderful, just, just a wonderful experience. And I always used to call his house, and I used to ask him, I says, you know, coach, man, what's it like to live in La Jolla? Because I used to see pictures of La Jolla. But, you know, I, you know, kid growing up in New York City, you just, you, you know, I used to like, wow, this, you know, Coach Musselman, he lives in La Jolla. And it was beautiful. I, I, I envisioned him living off a cliff, you know, overlooking the Pacific. You, you follow me? Uh, and so I used to have these great conversations with him and his wife. And um, I, I, always thought of, I always thought of them as family. When I played for him, you know, you were part of the family. So that, that's what it was, Richard. No doubt. No doubt. Pete? We could go on for another hour. You, you, you have so many good stories about both of them. And I, I, I just thought it was a, a good timing to have you on to, well, just give more insight about uh, Coach Musselman and his father and, and just your relationship with both. And I appreciate you coming on. Well, I, I'm, listen, Richard, I, I thank you for, for having me. And uh, again, good luck to the Razorbacks in their quest to win a national championship. I really, really want to thank you for having me and uh, look forward maybe the, to, to coming back and, uh, you know, sharing some more thoughts about Eric and, and of course, the team's success. Absolutely. We, we will do that, Peyton. I appreciate the, the offer there, and I will take you up on that. Absolutely. Well, you know, you guys go. Let's go. Razorbacks, let's go. <laughs> All right, Pete. Thank you so much. This is uh, Richard Davenport, the Recruiting Guy Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.